It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now, we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. You know, there's an old saying, Drew, that, uh, you know, you've had a really good season when there are no out-of-town scores. And that's about where we are right now. Only four teams left. We're down to what the old-time NHL used to call the first round or the semifinal and what we like to call the conference championships. In the West, we've got uh, the Vegas Golden Knights getting to the conference final, going up against the Dallas Stars. And in the Eastern Conference, we've got the Carolina Hurricanes taking on the Florida Panthers. So much to talk about, but what's your general reaction to just those four teams being where they are? Well, the uh, Carolina Hurricanes have been a very impressive team, the way they've played. Really, you know, when you look at those standings, they should be where they are. At the end of the regular season standings, they should be where they are right now. Even though they have lost Sveshnikov, Terabinen, and Pacioretty, three guys who would be a top line. They've been incredible. Florida Panthers are the fun bunch of the National Hockey League right now, knocking off the Boston Bruins, then knocking off the Toronto Maple Leafs. Danny, as you know up here, that's crazy. Again, the Maple Leafs are are in all kinds of turmoil, which makes the rest of Canada very happy. The uh, Dallas Stars, hype boy, congratulations, Seattle Kraken. We know what it's like going in the playoffs the first time, losing out in game seven in the second round. What a, what a season by the Seattle Kraken, but um, I'm glad to see Joe Pavelski moving on. Glad to see Brent Burns moving on. And then very close to home, the Golden Knights beat the Edmonton Oilers. Talking to our good friend Reed Wilkins yesterday on uh, my radio show here in Saskatchewan. Reed, or, or I shouldn't say mine, but I'm a co-host. Um, the, uh, Reed Wilkins said it felt sad. He said, you know, there's been disappointed. There's been anger. He said, but there was a sadness that overtook Edmonton uh, after the Golden Knights beat the Oilers, who were supposed to be the team that was going to be finally bringing the cup back to Canada. Danny, do you realize, you realize that Canada hasn't won a Stanley Cup in 30 years now? And in fact, here's a trivia for you. There's been a United States Canadian Football League team that's won the Great Cup in more recent memory than a Canadian team has won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> now that is really something special. And of course, this brings us back to something related to the San Jose Sharks history in a sense, because it would be Ron Wilson, the former San Jose Sharks head coach, who meeting the media in Toronto would tell them all that uh, a Canadian base team, which is the way that I like to call it, will not win the Stanley Cup again. And I think he was being a little facetious, but a little bit serious. And the serious part was for things that you're about to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the pressure that comes with being a Canadian team. Because what happens is the 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 outside noises, the peripheral opponents, the, the pressure from the media becomes to a point where all the noise, you, even as much as you try to drown it out, you can't. 
And Ron Wilson pointed right at the media and basically said, and when somebody, I remember the media's heads go, when he went, when one guy asked why, he went, because of you guys, because of you guys. And, you know, when you see it again, this was supposed to be the year, boy, when Toronto finally won a, won a round in, in 19 years and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, two of the best players in the world, leading the Edmonton Oilers who finished 14-2 and two their last 16 games, beat L.A., and then they ran into a team that played really good hockey. And, you know, I know we'll talk about it, but um, it was an impressive performance by the Vegas Golden Knights. Boy, was it ever. And here's the other thing, too. Uh, you've got Jack Eichel, the number two overall draft pick, going up against Connor McDavid, the number one overall draft pick. Don't yeah. think that these little things don't mean uh, a lot to the guy who was selected second. Trust me. Oh, absolutely. If you go back to that draft and Tim Murray, who was the general manager of Buffalo at the time, when Buffalo got the number two pick, Edmonton got the number one pick, and Tim Murray's reaction was it said it all he and he spoke very very he didn't dismiss jack eichel but talking about the rules of the nhl he basically set up jack eichel's crap and jack had to go through what he had to go through in buffalo and then he gets to go to a team connor made the playoffs a couple of years before jack did not a lot but but more than jack certainly more successful individually than jack but jack eichel um, Danny played a very, very good series. And you know, you know that he was pumped up for it. He did a great job disguising it. But Jack Eichel um, came out ahead and scored some big goals for the Vegas Golden Knights in, in, so far in the playoffs. And it looks like he's enjoying it. So right now, it's uh, Eichel 1 and McDavid 0 in the head-to-head matchup in the playoffs. For those of us that have uh, are listeners to the Sharks Audio Network broadcast, I talked to David Quinn about that the very first time the Sharks played yep. Vegas, and I asked him about Jack Eichel because the feelings that we got walking into the Buffalo Sabres dressing room for all of those years seemed that Jack was aloof. He wasn't happy. He wasn't interested in doing anything for the team. And I, I had a funny feeling that, that he was being a little bit misunderstood there. And David Quinn went into it very, very deeply and said, Jack Eichel really cares and wants to win more than anybody in the world. He's a wonderfully conditioned athlete. He's a great hockey player, which we all do know. But I, I just think that, that his level of happiness breeds confidence. And, and I think that that's what he's getting with the Vegas Golden Knights. 100%. Well, you know, you talk about that team. It's a confident team. Um, talking to some of the Vegas Golden Knights when they were in near the end of the season, they they looked at Jack Eichel as, you know, one of the leaders as soon as he came in. When he got healthy after that neck surgery, um, he became one of the, the top guys that they looked to for leadership. And that team is loaded with leaders. The interesting thing about Eichel, when you watch him play and you and you compare him to McDavid, McDavid does everything at 100 miles an hour, right? Everything. Right, right. So fast. Jack does everything at 60 miles an hour. But they still accomplish a lot of the same things. Jack reminds me of Joe Thornton as far as timing beats speed. You know what I mean? When, he, doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't slow the game down quite the way Joe did. No, no, but... nobody's, yeah. Agreed. Nobody quite does that. But but one thing that Eichel does do is that he knows 10 seconds before he, he's going to do something, what he's going to do. And that's why he doesn't necessarily have to do it at, at top speed. Right. You know, nobody can do it at Connor's speed. That's just the way. I mean, Connor's just so gifted that way. But 
Eichel's timing in during the game and his his ability to be in the right place at the right time with the puck is is extraordinary. We're going to get back to Jack Eichel in that series in just a second, but right now I'm going to play back a one of the more important goals of the season for the Carolina Hurricanes. Where Stahl comes up with a steal in the corner, trying to get that back for Drury. Still lose Stahl to Drury. Backhand chance, Schmidt with the save. Rebound, thrown into the corner. Comes out to the right point. Burns a shot, they score! As Mike Maniscalco doing it for the Carolina Hurricanes radio network. Brent Burns, how many times have we seen him score a big goal at a very propitious time? I can remember a couple of overtime goals that he scored for the Sharks, more than a couple, Drew. But that one tied the game uh, for the Hurricanes with only 38 seconds left in the second period. And you know what it led to? It led to a gigantic overtime bowl by Jesper Faust. Making it across. Drury, Gostasper, back for Drury, back to Gostasper at the left point. Now Code Kaniemi, top of the right circle. His shot, they score! Jesper Faust ends it! Carolina going to the conference finals! The Canes win it 3-2 in overtime! Pretty exciting on Tobacco Road for that game. That was game number five on May the 11th. And uh, you have to also note that Timo Meyer, who had been playing with a variety of injuries since he was acquired, came up with a nice goal for New Jersey in that game. And I thought it was a pretty poignant uh, embrace that Meyer and Burns had in that handshake line at the end of the contest. What'd you think? It really was. Um, I waited to see it without a doubt. I, I thought, um, it was typical Timo when we start, saw at the start of the year, right? He was shooting, 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 not scoring any goals. Then he finally scored, and then he scored two goal game, two goals in 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 a row. He got hammered by Truba in the previous series, missed that the rest of that game, but then got up and kept playing with a full screen on his face. Um, it was it was a really neat moment, Danny. I I would be lying if I didn't tell you that I wanted to see. That type of embrace in the finals between Joe Pavelski and Brent Burns. So one of them and two guys that we love and Sharks fans love as well. One of them gets to get their name etched on the cup. But Brent Burns was something special in that series. He's been very, very, very good in the playoffs. But how about that? How about that goal? Puck over the glass, delay of game, worst rule in sports. and. You know, it's it sucks for the New Jersey Devils, but honestly, the best team won that series. It's a good experience for the New Jersey Devils. This is a team that's still trying to figure out exactly what it takes to win the cup. And oftentimes you need a disappointment like that uh, to get to that next level. Just ask the Detroit Red Wings how many times they had to do it. And to be honest, ask the San Jose Sharks how many times it took them to even get to the final before uh, they finally gave the Pittsburgh Penguins a run for their money. And even when you get there, you still aren't guaranteed to win. So good experience for that team. Here are the interesting questions. Uh, number one from the New Jersey side, uh, I'm assuming they're going to re-sign Timo Meyer. would you say? 100%. 100%. Um, he played very, very well for him. He fits in with that team. Yes, they will re-sign Timo Meyer. Flip side of that, is Brent Burns one of the leading candidates for the Conn Smythe Trophy? Uh, definitely. 
100%. The way he has played, he is definitely one of the top candidates for the Conn Smythe. You, you know, you'd be looking across across the league right now. Joe Pavelski is also also a leader for the Conn Smythe. I would think that in um, in Vegas, well, based on that last series, Aiden Hill would be a guy you'd look at. He played so well against the uh, um, Edmonton Oilers. With without a doubt, he is be one of the guys you'd look at, and. And, and certainly going in Florida, you have to look at Matthew Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk has been a beast. Playoffs and regular season, 125 points so far this year for the Florida Panthers. What a trade that was for the Panthers. Boy, it sure was, and it's totally changed the way that they play. They took the learning experience last year of winning the President's Trophy and then losing early on to to the next level by making a couple of pretty bold moves. You got to credit Bill Zito for being able yeah. to do that. And and really, uh, it, it was only because of a situation that was kind of forced on the Calgary Flames because Johnny Gaudreau was leaving and Matthew Kachuk said he wanted to go stateside too. So take advantage of every opportunity you've got, and kudos to Zito for doing that. It really was a bold move. Andrew Burnett goes, the the guy who was coach of the year, you know, for for Florida. He's he was fantastic. Um, he was in he went to New Jersey as associate coach with with Lindy Ruff. Um, the whole Calgary thing just it didn't work out. We all thought in the in the offseason that Brad Trey Living had done a wonderful job in getting Jonathan Huberdeau, who came off a 100-point season, he gets Mackenzie Weger, a good top-four defenseman. He also grabs Nazim Kadri in a free agency. And you're thinking, whoa, Calgary's locked and loaded. They're making a run for it. They don't even make the playoffs. Trey Living's gone. Daryl Sutter's gone. They're in a complete different mode right now. Meanwhile, Matthew Kachuk had put back-to-back 100-point seasons up, and he is... Yeah, I listen. I I know people what they think of Matthew Kachuk, the way he plays, the kind of agitator he is. Danny, that kid could play in my team any day of the week. You know, I really, I really like, like him. I've always been somewhat controversial in saying that if I had a choice between Matthew or Brady Kachuk, I'd take Brady, but not by very much. And the one thing that Matthew has is he's got that that uh, I don't know what what the gene is. He gets it from his father Keith. You know where, where when you when you're playing against him, you absolutely hate him. And I think that, that that's really important to have on a team. You know what that gene is? David Quinn talks about that gene all the time and wants, wants more of his players to have that gene. It's the blank you gene. <laughs> I'm going to show you. I am going to stick it to you every chance I get gene. <laughs> well, that's the way it is. And, and Matthew Kachuk is definitely doing that. And he's doing yeah. it in part because they were able to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. And for a while, it seemed like the Maple Leafs were going to do well in the last game that they played. Panthers back at their own blue line. Need a mistake made by the guys in white. Wall punching it around the boards and does get it out. Leafs breaking through center. In goes Yarncrook. Backhand into the corner for Camp. Camp frees it up for Lafferty to the blue line. It goes to Riley. Riley shot in front. They score! They score! A deflection in front of the net. Morgan Riley getting it through. And was it David Camp? Morgan Riley, the first to the bench. Morgan Riley getting that goal, and everything seemed well and good in Toronto. But then it came down to the end. 
Up the right wing, puts it out in front, cut off nicely by Radko Gudis getting back. And Gudis will lead the charge now, three on two for the Panthers. Here's Cousins over the offensive line, left circle, Cousins, front of the net, shot, he scores! Nick Cousins ends the game, ends the series, 3-2 in overtime. The Panthers win it, they take the series in five, and the Florida Panthers are going to the Eastern Conference Final! That, of course, was Doug Plagans for Florida Radio. Obviously very enthusiastic, but here was Joe Bowen on the other side as the Maple Leaf season came to an end. And brought up by Timothy Lilligren. Right wing side, Achari. Achari got it to the front of the net, but it was knocked away. Three Leafs ball. Here's a three-on-two rush. Cross the line for Cousins. Cousins closing, shooting, scores! Nick Cousins wins the series for the Florida Panthers. You can hear the disappointment yeah. in Joe Bowen's voice. And of course, after that, uh, before we get to the winning side, lots of hand rigging, lots of, uh, I guess you could say, armchair GMing going on all across Canada for both series because both Canadian teams that were still in are out. But Kyle Dubas, the general manager of the Maple Leafs, met the media just yesterday. Obviously uh, disappointing to be here feel that the group had uh, a substantial opportunity uh, to uh, to continue on uh, this spring and uh, unfortunately did not execute to the level that uh, that we would all like um, and it's another hard lesson for uh, for all of us and the entire organization um, with regards to uh, my own situation I'll just address it off the top um, uh, had a good long relationship here with with Brendan and the owners. I'll speak to them in the coming days, uh, but probably more importantly, uh, speak uh, to my wife Shannon and our family uh, here in the tonight and, and tomorrow, and see where we're at um, as a family um, and how we want to proceed um, with everything. Uh, this has been a you know, and just in learning the past couple of days, it's been a very taxing year on them. Um, and uh, that's uh, obviously very important to me. So um, we'll go through all that and, and um, we'll all make our decisions and roll from there. It's something you have to do when you're a general manager of a team in Toronto in the National Hockey League. You have to just basically address things before the people start asking you about them. Yeah, he's on, he's, he doesn't have a contract at the, after the end of uh, June. He, there's a lot of work to be done in Toronto still, but what Kyle Dubas has done with the Toronto Maple Leafs, a very young general manager, he has taken the Maple Leafs from a team that didn't make the playoffs to a team that made the playoffs consistently, haven't been able to win around, but also has, during the regular season, had the best winning, the third best winning percentage in the National Hockey League. He is, um, I think their, their, their winning percentage in the National Hockey League since he's been the, the boss there is 638. That's third best overall. When you look at though, with this was a make or break year, Kyle Dubas bet on four guys, four guys he bet on and gave them the majority of money in Austin Matthews, in Mitch Marner, in John Tavares, and in my in uh Nylander. So you look at those four guys, and in the playoffs, in the first round, phenomenal. In the second round, nearly statistically invisible. Nylander, the last couple of games, was putting the puck in the net. 
Morgan Riley was fantastic the whole series. For Austin sure. Matthews, Austin Matthews, zero goals. Marner had a couple points. Tavares, and I've never been a Tavares fan. I just never have. I've never seen what everybody else sees in him. Um, much smarter hockey people than me think he's a superstar. I vehemently disagree. To me, he leaves you wanting. And um, Who would you rather he, have, him or Logan Couture in the playoffs? Logan Couture. Me too. Without without even all due respect to John Tavares, no problem, yeah, I, but great yeah, player. But I'd rather yeah. have Logan Couture on my team. Exactly. Um, John Tavares, um, to me, like I say, he just leaves you wanting. And I've had I've talked to Joe Bowen on the radio show, and he said, No, you're wrong, Drew. And I've talked to other people, and, they, and I who have whose hockey opinions I absolutely respect and admire, they're a lot smarter than me. But for me, I'm just not a big Tavares fan. But you've got 11 million dollars tied up in that guy. In fact, you've got over $40 million tied up in those four players. And they didn't deliver in the crunch time, and they haven't delivered year after year after year by having the, the lease knocked out. Now you've got contracts coming up from for Kyle Dubas in a couple of years, and Matthews and Marner, and Nylander, I do believe. What do you do now? But what do you do if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs? Does Brendan Shanahan stay? Does Shanahan plan? The Shanahan plan is now nine years old. Does Dubas stay? Does Sheldon Keefe stay? Rumors are that Dubas is going to Pittsburgh and Keefe's going to go with them. And Mike I don't Sullivan's believe it. Going to go to the Rangers. Don't There's believe all it. Kinds of, all kinds of Rangers. There are all kinds of, of rumors going on now. They're actually talking about trading coaches because Mike Sullivan's under contract and they're mm -hmm. actually talking about make engineering a trade. Meanwhile, mm -hmm. why would Kyle Dubas do that? Even if he went to the Toronto Maple Leafs yet, he has said it's either going to be, he's coming back to Toronto or he's not going to be working for a while just because, yeah. and you could hear it in his voice, the sheer pressures, the, the sheer uh, difficulties for his family that uh, being the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs brings. And you can't forget about those things. Can you? Absolutely not. Like overall, Regular season, his tenure has been a success. In the oh. uh, postseason, it's not. This is what I do. If you don't want, if you're going to bring a new general manager in, you're going to fire Sheldon Keith. There's one guy who's already behind the bench that I'd hire like that. Sheldon Keith is excellent. And in fact, Paul Maurice yes. talked about him and he but, said, this guy is a great coach. He said that to the Toronto media yeah. after the series was over. And, and I commend Paul Maurice for doing that. There's a guy that's uh, that's been through it all. And that brings us to the conference final in the East, Carolina versus Florida. First thing is Paul Maurice just beat a team he used to coach, Toronto. Right. Now right. he's going to another team that he took right. to the Stanley Cup final, didn't win. But uh, he's going into Carolina and to very familiar territory. Not only did he coach Rod Brindamore, but he coached the two assistant coaches there, Tim Gleason and Jeff Daniels. And so there's a lot of familiarity that's going on in that Eastern Conference final and a great series coming up. I'm looking forward to the mano a mano situations between uh, people like Brent Burns and, and Matthew Kachuk on the one side. Yeah, wait. And, and on the other side, Sebastian Ajo up against Aaron Ekblad. I think that's going to be interesting, too. 100%. You know, the other thing about this series too, Danny, it's it's um, um, really been interesting with Paul Maurice is Alex Lyon got, got them to the playoffs, the young goaltender, you know, third stringer really. And um, he gets them, he gets them to the playoffs, plays the first couple of games in the playoffs. Things don't go as well as they want to go. And they're down with it down three, one to Boston. And then he puts in Sergei Bobrovsky, the $10 million goalie and hasn't been a $10 million goalie since he signed that $10 million contract. And now he is lights out Bobrovsky. He has been very, very good. He's been 
he's been great. He's the other guy you have to look at as a con Smythe candidate so far. Without question of a doubt, the way that he's come in and played those games, it's a big reason why Florida is a winner, and it's why Florida versus Carolina is going to be a fascinating series. We continue now with the Stanley Cup Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. And so we move to the Western Conference, and the two final teams will be the Vegas Golden Knights against the Dallas Stars. First thing first, I think one of the goals of the playoffs happened for the Dallas Stars near the end. Off of Tolvin and into the Dallas zone. Thomas Harley is there. And now Hanley. Alexiak kept it in the zone for Seattle. Puck underneath the Stars end line. Worked over to Dodonov. He'll flip it all the way down the ice. First to it is Wyatt Johnston. And a backhand. He scores! Oh my. What a shot! <laughs> what a shot! Wyatt Johnston upstairs. And with 7-12 left in the third period, how big is that? Makes it a 2-0 lead. They'd end up winning that game, and, uh, you know, Seattle would fight back. And Oliver Bjorkstrand, who I think has had a fantastic playoff and is a big, big game player, made it close. They just ran out of time, Seattle. Uh, Kudos to Dave Haxtell. They remind me so much of the San Jose Sharks in 94, beating a great team in round one as the Sharks did in Detroit, and then going all the way to game seven before losing to Toronto. Same thing just happened to the Seattle Kraken. And uh, I think that uh, hockey has re-arrived in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, it certainly has. The other the other interesting uh, side note is that the Seattle Thunderbirds, the uh, the junior team, is playing in the finals against Winnipeg too. This uh, WHL final, so some of those guys are going to be drafted into the NHL. So Seattle's got a lot of hockey going on right now. Seattle Kraken played really well. They had a terrific season, and you're right, they fought right till the end. That goal by Johnson was a beauty, absolute beauty. Players should use the backhand shot more, but that shot was very, very difficult to execute, especially kind of went off of the goaltender Grubauer and up top. You, he didn't have much space there. No, I don't think of too many players that used to do that. Uh, Maurice Richard used to do things like that, but this kid, Wyatt Johnson, he's only 20. He's living with Joe Pavelski, by the way. I don't know if you mm-hmm. knew that. Uh, so the tradition continues that was started really by Kelly Rudy in the history of the Sharks by having Patrick Marlowe live with him. Now Joe Pavelski's got people living with him. And I think that that I, I couldn't think of anybody better that I, I'd want Wyatt Johnston to live with as a teenager than the Pavelski family. So that seems yeah, to be yeah. working out. And of course, now we've got the other situation. We talked about uh, Paul Maurice going back to Carolina after yes. beating Toronto. And now Pete DeBoer gets to go against Vegas, and he had a reaction to it. I'd like to take credit for it, but uh, I can't. <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, you know, our best team game of the playoffs. I, I, I knew our group would respond to have all year, individually and collectively as a team, and, uh, you know, they uh, didn't disappoint. No, they sure didn't. And of course, he's excited about taking on Vegas. He said, listen, I'm just going to enjoy this for a day or two and start to think about the Golden Knights. But uh, everybody knows that this this series is really important to him and to Steve's spot, too. Yeah, there's a bunch of things that are really fun here. First off, um, remember Justin Williams, who played for the Los Angeles Kings, played for the Carolina Hurricanes. He was Mr. Game 7, right? Right. Pete DeBoer is now 7-0 and in Game 7s as a coach which is incredible, right? That's I think there's, there's only one coach that has more game seven wins. If I'm, if my memory is correct, that would be big D Daryl Sutter. Yeah. It's incredible, but it's he's had some losses in game seven. Yeah. So 
that's number one. Uh, number two, for Pete DeBoer, I, 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 you know, I didn't get to be around him those those years. He was in San Jose, but boy, I know you know him. He is a very professional, um, low, low, not not low fire, low key, high intensity guy. But he really does a great job to me, and talking to the players that have played for him and the people who are around him now on letting or or getting the players, not letting, getting the players to take over. Now he's been lucky. He's had some real terrific veteran guys on his team. You go to the guys that he inherited in San Jose. Um, and he talked to you when, when, when the Sharks made that run to the final, he talked about the core, the core, the core all the time. In Dallas, he's also got a core. In Suter, Ben, Sagan, Pavelski, amazing, right? And then you look at Haskinen and you look at guys who are strong on that core. He is able to get those guys to take over, and they have taken over that team. Bruce Cassidy certainly has done a good job with the oh. Vegas Golden Knights. He's got them playing too. And how he had just Danny, huh. how happy is that guy? He's the happiest guy in the long, league. All, all year long, the Bruins are doing what the Bruins are doing after letting Cassidy go. And and Vegas is they're chugging along. But Vegas is oh yeah, it's Vegas. So the Bruins do this. Vegas goes along. The Bruins get knocked out by Carolina. And now Bruce Cassidy's in the conference final. You know, somewhere deep, deep down inside without anybody watching, he's going, yes. <laughs> it absolutely has to happen. And I think we've got two amazing series coming up. Uh, both of them could go a long way. You've got Jack Eichel on the one side, Joe Pavelski on the other, with the kid Wyatt Johnson suddenly coming to the fore. Jonathan Marcheseau had a hat trick. Oh, uh, that's yeah. going to be a great, great series. And as we finish up, Drew, I really think that the Florida-Carolina series is going to be underrated in the trenches, tough to play. I agree. I agree. Now it's, listen, those four teams, for any Canadian who thinks that uh, that Jerry Bettman wants the teams to win, it just doesn't want Canadian teams to win. These are four of the smaller markets with the exception of Dallas as far as viewership goes. But it is a big thing about the parity in the National Hockey League. Been a great show today, Drew, and we've got a lot more coming up as the conference finals bring you the Stanley Cup Playoffs. You've been listening to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.